Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, good morning. It is... Hi, Todd. It is wonderful to be here with you this morning. Uh, I am Aaron's older brother, Caleb. In some parts of the country, that is exactly how I'm known. Uh, Aaron's older brother, or Larry and Jenna's oldest son. Uh, That's the reference point for me. Excited to be here. My family's been in town this week uh, because it's like the last week of the year that we're willing to come to Arizona for like six more months. Uh, So we've been taking it all in and, and, and enjoying it. My nephew Isaac turned one this past week. Yes. So we've been celebrating that. My family got to stay at one of the nicest hotels in the valley, Mountain Shadows. It's spectacular if you have not yet been there. Hillary and the kids are still there. It'll be tough to drag them away and get them here for the 1045 service. Uh, So excited and grateful to be able to be a part of this time together with you. If we haven't met yet, uh, I am Caleb, the, the part of the whole family thing, even Todd, my cousin on the base back here, that's also fun. And uh, since I've been here last, if you're brand new, you don't care, just indulge me. But some some people know uh, we've had our third child, a girl, baby Eden, was born uh, this past year. She is seven months. Uh, I I didn't think about it. It's just a dad fail. I didn't bring a photo of her. But I did bring a photo of the boys because I want to tell you a story about the boys. Jack and Henry uh, are right there. Jack is on the right. Henry's on the left. That's their mom, my wife, Hillary, in the middle. They look cute, don't they? they yeah, yeah. They, they look like, like precious little innocent uh, boys, and they are. They're fantastic, uh, but they have strong personalities, and we've been having to educate these boys lately about what it means to grow up and what it means to to respond and respect your parents and the authority figures in your life. And we have this routine, now that we have the baby girl, uh, she's kind of Hillary's domain, because uh, mom has the stuff that dad doesn't have that she still requires at this age, if you know what I mean. And so Eden wakes up, she's with mom. Boys wake up, they're with me. And we have a morning routine where Henry wakes up hungry. He is a beast of a, of a three-year-old boy, and he just wakes up ready to go and ready to eat. So he comes downstairs, and the first thing that I hear before there's even a hi, daddy, or anything like that is, daddy, yogurt, daddy, yogurt, dad, 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 yogurt. And he's like that cartoon character, I don't even know, Stewie, is that the guy? He's just, he says, dad, 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 daddy, dad, dad, Henry, I'm right here, daddy, dad, 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 daddy, daddy, Henry, what is it that you want? Yogurt, yogurt, points at the fridge. Or it goes, and now he opens up the fridge, but the yogurt's a little bit too high, so he can't reach it. Yogurt, 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 dad, yogurt. I'm like, okay, okay. So I grab him the yogurt. It's the Trader Joe's, the banana and the strawberry. They come in, you know, so break that. I give him one. He's like, dad, two yogurts, two yogurts, dad, two, two yogurts. I need two yogurts. All right, Henry. And I get him the second yogurt, and I put it in front of him. He climbs up on the little high top, you know, bar thing. And so he's there with his two yogurt. He goes, dad, dad, two spoons, two spoons, two spoons. And I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, because they can't mix. They can't mix. You can't mix 
apparently the banana yogurt with a strawberry yogurt spoon. So we get him the two spoons. He's like, thank you, thank you. And he opens them up by himself with his teeth. You can't help him with that. It's like, I do it, I do it, I do it. So he opens them up with his teeth, and then he just gets after it. And he's quiet and by himself for like 10 minutes. Those are 10 glorious minutes in the morning where he is just crushing yogurt, double fisting it with the two spoons, and it is fantastic. But when I pull Jack up there, and I give Jack, I, I usually make a shake for the boys in the morning, and they're, they're up there, and sometimes they're fighting over something, you know, who got the most in their cup, the shake, and, and, and they kind of go back and forth, and, and Henry's being bossy about something else. I have to lay down the law. I have to train these boys in the way that they should go, and I'm trying to convince them to submit to their father's authority, and I tell them what some of you have told who have kids or what your parents told you when you were a kid, and that is, boys, stop, stop, be quiet. Who's the boss? And they'll argue a little bit sometimes. I'm the boss. I'm the, no, you're not. You're not the boss. Who's the boss? And Jack will say, mom's the boss. Okay. In this room right now, who is, who's the boss? And they'll both reluctantly admit, dad's the boss. Dad's the boss. And yeah, you're darn right. Dad's the boss. But there's something, there's something, even though they're reluctant, even though they don't like to admit it, even though they prefer to have their own agenda and do their own thing, there's actually something that brings security admitting that dad's the boss. After all, dad can reach the yogurt. After all, dad provides. After all, they trust dad. And even though they prefer to be the boss, they prefer to have it their own way, they're okay admitting that dad's the boss. They can settle into that. They can be content in that reality. And I believe that the same is true of us as it relates to God, as it relates to our relationship with God. And you, you might be here and you're not even sure if God is the boss, who this Jesus is, and, and you're still exploring that. But what I wanna talk about just for a few minutes today is the reality, what it means that Jesus is boss. Maybe you've had bad relationships with bosses or employers in the past. I'd encourage you to just kind of let that fall by the wayside and receive and be open to what it, might be, what it might mean that Jesus, the God of the universe, who got this whole ball rolling in the beginning, who created the universe as we know it, who keeps breath in your lungs even in this moment, and your heart beating and blood in your veins, that Jesus is boss. In fact, I know it's early, and I know it's the week after Easter, and I know the masters are later and all that kind of stuff, but you're probably, some of you, going to shout at your TV during the conclusion of the masters. I want to ask you if you'll participate with me and just, just echo back out loud, Jesus is boss. Are you ready? I'm going to say it, and then you say it right after me. Jesus is boss. Jesus is boss. Thank you. I might, I might try to pull that out of you again a little bit later. Uh, we're going to talk about what it means that Jesus is boss. And I'm going to tell you three stories from the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, those are like the biographies of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you a few stories uh, that reemphasize this. We're going to go on a journey of what that really means maybe in practical living. And then at the end, I'm going to give you an exercise that helps me that maybe might be relevant and helpful to you as you leave. Easter is a big deal. We did that last week. Uh, but what if 
What if the resurrection, and what if the fact that this Jesus who surprised the world and that he had authority even over death, what if that could be relevant to you 365 days of the year? So the first story that I want to tell you, I brought this Bible up here, but the truth is I'm almost 40, and it's probably safer if I read uh, from the screens at this point. Uh, The first story, Jesus is walking along the shore, and this is a moment where he's beginning to call his first disciples. Uh, We're going to read it. This is from Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, if you've ever been to Israel, if you've heard of the Sea of Galilee, that's what it is. It just went by different names. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Really quickly here. In that day, fishermen, they fished with large nets. And so they would go out at night when the water was cooler and the fish, because the water was cooler, they would, come more, they would come closer to the surface. And so they had these big nets, and they would scoop up fish. But it only worked at night, because when the, when the surface of the water was warm, the fish would, the fish would dive. So they're, they've got the nets. They're doing their thing. Now they, it didn't work out for them very well at night, so they're cleaning. They're washing off their nets. And Jesus says, can I get into your boat? Because there's a whole lot of people gathered as there commonly were in that time, people flocked to Jesus. They, they hung on every word that he said. He couldn't get anywhere without a mob being around him just trying to touch him and get close because he was like Oprah, Bono, you know, who all combined in terms of his popularity. And so there's so many people crowding around that he got into a boat to help his voice project. They didn't have the nice speakers and microphones in that time. So, so the, being out on a boat and using the water to carry his voice was kind of like a natural amplification. That's what he's doing here. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon is also Peter, one, of, one who would become his inner circle disciples, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, but because you say so, I'll come back to that, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat come and, to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So Jesus tells them to drop the nets after he's done with his voice amplification little message thing. He tells fishermen to drop their nets and fish during the late morning hours when the top of the water, the surface of the water is already warm. He tells fishermen their business. And Simon, who's also, his name's Peter, we can just call him either, Simon Peter, 
He's a, kind of a proud dude, and he knows uh, how to fish. He knows what he's doing. This is a, a, a generational business, and he's been out there all night. He's a little frustrated that they've caught nothing. This is his profession, and Jesus tells him, let down the nets, and he doesn't want to do it because there's people on the shore still, remember, still watching Jesus every move, and they're going to make fun of him. Like, what are those idiots doing? You don't fish when the sun's out. They're not at the top of the lake. But he's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be bad for business. This is going to be bad for my reputation, Jesus, if I do this. But because you said so, but because you said so, I'll let down the gnats. Do you have a because you said so? Some of us, I think, maybe have been following this Jesus for a long time, but perhaps your passion for, for life, the, the fire in your soul, your excitement about the future, maybe, maybe you don't feel it. Maybe you don't feel like you're on the adventure of your life anymore. Perhaps your spiritual journey has gotten a little bit stale, and perhaps it's because somewhere along the line, Jesus told you to do something that offended your rational thinking. After all, you're a professional. After all, you know all the stuff. After all, you're a fisherman, and this looks bad to other people. This is irrational. This is risky. This doesn't make sense, and you haven't done it yet. But if Jesus says so, that's where the adventure is. Now, that doesn't mean that Peter and his family started fishing at 10 a.m. from now on. That would be stupid. You still use your education. You still use your practical insights. You still use your experience, and you still understand and study and research the natural world that God has created, and he's created it this way for a reason. And when Jesus tells you to do something that doesn't make sense to you, you still do it anyway. And that's where you find the thrill. That's where you find the excitement. That's where the miracles lie. And these guys experience a miracle. They can't even get all the fish into their two boats. No one had ever seen anything like this. This was the coolest fish trick ever performed. And if I'm Peter, I'm thinking to myself, as soon as I get back to shore, I'm signing Jesus up to some kind, we're starting an LLC, there's some kind of partnership that's being formed, and, and we're gonna, we'll do a profit share, Jesus, you can have 40%. Uh, just, there's a non-compete clause after the terms of the deal, obviously, but if you just go into business with me, things could be really good for all of us. That's not what happened. Jesus says, come and follow me, and they left their fish and followed Jesus. They walked away from the blessing and followed the blesser. Even though this was a life-changing, career-shifting blessing of all these fish, they walked away from it. They let it go. Some of us are clinging to a blessing from the past instead of following the blesser. And he's got a new adventure. He's got a new reality for you. He's got a new journey, new steps, new passions, new opportunities. And some of us are still clinging to back here, 
the way it used to be, the way things used to be, or this, this, this passion, this, th- these blessings, c- clinging to them as if they're yours by entitlement. And Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come following me. I got all the fish. <laughs> That's one cool fish trick. But I can do a lot more than that. You haven't seen anything yet. And these guys are so blown away. Jesus is the boss of sea creatures? Jesus is the boss of our lake? Jesus is the boss of vocation and industry? And he can do that in my life, in my work, and give me that kind? Okay. Walked away from it and followed Jesus. Just a short time later, This is from Matthew chapter 8. Just a short time later, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Now, this Roman officer uh, is a powerful man. He oversaw, we're not sure exactly. I mean, it could have been 80 people. It could have been 800 soldiers. It was a wide spectrum. It was referred to as a centurion. And he oversaw a lot of soldiers in that time and was highly respected. By the way, in the top military of the, of the world at that point, this impressive, strong leader. And he is desperate for Jesus. And he says, if you'll just come, if, if you'll just heal my servant, I'll, I'll be forever grateful. And Jesus says, all right, I'll come. I'll do this. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Instead, just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. And then don't miss this. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed at that same hour. A couple of things. Jesus is warning all the Jewish people around him. It's as if he's saying, you can know a lot intellectually and still barely have any faith. You can grow up doing the church thing. You can grow up with a lot of gold stars on your chart. You can grow up and be impressive and look the part and and play nice and have the facade and not have faith and not really be participating with me on the adventure of your life. And this was a subtle warning for all the Jewish people, all the religious types that were surrounding Jesus. After all, this Roman officer who doesn't hold to all the traditions amazed Jesus with his faith. Did you know that you could amaze Jesus? You want to amaze Jesus? Believe that he's boss. 
Believe that he's boss. Believe that, that he has authority, not over just sea creatures, but he has authority over invisible things. That he doesn't even have to go into the house. He can just snap and the kid's healed. That he can just think it and it happens. He has authority over sickness, over disease, over all these things. You want to amaze Jesus? Look at him in the middle of disease. You want to amaze Jesus? Go to him in the middle of disappointment or disaster. Know that he has the power over all of this thing. You want to amaze Jesus? Trust him even if you don't get the outcome you want. This Roman officer knew what it was to be under authority. You know that he carried out orders from his superiors that he didn't agree with. You know that he had his hopes or expectations unfulfilled, and yet he submitted to their authority, and he was willing to do the same to Jesus. If Jesus would have said, no, that's not my plan for your servant. He's going he's gonna to go to the afterlife. That Roman centurion would have said, okay, I'm under your authority. I get that you have authority in this realm. One who amazed Jesus, trust that he's got this even when you don't get this. There's this thing that Jesus said a while later. He said to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on the earth. Will you trust that? Will you believe that? It's not just about the fish tricks. I have authority over this whole deal. Right from there, in the story of, in the gospel, in the biography that Matthew writes, right from that point is this next part of the journey. It says, Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake. It's that same lake where the fish trick happened. He got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake. And with the waves breaking into the boat, with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. I've been to Israel. I've seen one of these boats. They're not that big. Jesus would have had to curl up in the very back of one of these boats. It would have been a, a, a sight to see 12 people in one of these fishing boats and Jesus still managing to sleep in the back. And in, that, in the Sea of Galilee, you kind of think, well, uh, the storm comes out of nowhere. When you see it, you're like, man, this, is, this looks actually more like a lake than a sea, but it's surrounded by this mountain range, and a storm could come in quickly and powerfully and overwhelm you because it would get nestled into these mountains. And so that's where they were, and these guys were afraid from, for their life. Even though some of them are fishermen, even though they're used to being out on the water, these guys are panicking while Jesus is sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! And Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and there was great calm. 
Rebuke the wind and the waves. It simply means he shouted at him. He told him to knock it off. Okay, enough. And it was calm. And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this man? We saw him do the fish trick. Just a little bit earlier, he told that Roman centurion that his servant was healed in the moment. And we've heard rumors that it actually happened. We've seen him do miracles left and right. We've been following him, clinging to every word because it feels just like everything he says is like a secret of the universe. It seems like I can see galaxies in his eyes, but he, but he feels like home. Still, we're in this boat and a storm comes up and we panic and then he tells it to stop and it stops. He has authority over everything. He has authority over all of this, and they were amazed. You know what I do often? I close my eyes, and I look in my own mind at the circumstances of my life, because sometimes they're not ideal. Sometimes it feels like a storm that's crashing in. Sometimes there's so much uncertainty. Sometimes the boat feels like it's being rocked. Sometimes I'm not sure where I'm going or I can't see very far ahead. Or sometimes it's worse. And I pictured this moment where the disciples are all panicking. They're freaking out. They, they don't know what to do or how this could possibly play out to their benefit. They've forgotten that a quiet Jesus is more powerful than a noisy storm. And I picture that scene, and I look back to the back of the boat, and I see Jesus on his, on his clothes, on his little coat thing, and he puts his head there, and his eyes are closed, and everyone's irritated that he's sleeping, and people feel like their lives are in jeopardy. And I'm a little nervous myself, if I'm honest, but I look back in my mind's eye. I look back, and I see Jesus sleeping, and he sees me. He opens his eyes real quick, and he winks. And then he closes his eyes again and keeps pretending to sleep. And peace comes over me. And I realize, oh, he's got this. He's, he's the God of all of this. He could just tell this storm to stop, and it would stop. And I decide to believe that if Jesus is still resting, then I'm still learning. If Jesus is still resting in your circumstance, you're still learning. Because he could quiet that thing in an instant with a word. He could eliminate it. And so sometimes it gives me the courage to stand up and do what Jesus did, which is to shout at the storm and say, okay, enough, enough. This is my family, or this is my business, or I trust Jesus. I'm not worried about you. I'm not going to be intimidated by you. I'm not going to be afraid of you. I'm going to learn what I'm supposed to learn. I'm going to trust that if he's still resting, I'm still learning. But I am not going to let you intimidate me. I'm going to trust that Jesus is the boss. Say, Jesus is boss. 
Jesus is boss. I'm gonna trust that he is boss, that he is the beginning and the end, that he created this whole thing with a word and said, let there be light, and that let the waters part and let there be land, let there be creatures in the sea. He tells the sea creatures what to do. He speaks to disease and disease goes away. He's not intimidated by the bad medical report. He's not intimidated by your situation and your circumstance. If he hasn't fixed it yet, if he hasn't resolved it yet, if he still seems like he's resting, it's because you're still learning. But you can have confidence. You can have faith in the middle of the storm, knowing that he is boss and he is in your boat. You can trust this God. You can trust this God. In fact, I want to invite you to close your eyes and just picture the circumstance that you're struggling with. Would you do that with me? Close your eyes and imagine that you're in that boat. And the people are panicking all around you. How are we going to get through this? What's happening in our country? What's happening with our kids? Where are we going to go from here? I don't know what to do about the future. There's so much uncertainty. There's anxiety. There's discomfort. There's ambiguity. Whatever it is that the storm that rages around you, picture that in your mind. Be honest about the feelings that you're feeling. And now look back at the boat, at the back, and see Jesus sleeping. And maybe in the past you've been frustrated that he hasn't intervened yet. But today, in this moment, can you see him and can you notice that he opens his eyes and he winks at you? And in this moment, you get the sense it rushes over you that you can have peace, even in the middle of the storm, because Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is boss over all of this, even life and death, as we celebrated at Easter. He's got this. He's got you. He's not surprised. This circumstance is not out of his control. If he's resting, you're still learning. Have peace and enjoy the journey. The God of the universe is in your boat. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.